to be here in the South again. Last week I was here. Because I thought I was speaking last week. It's probably because I, I was just full of anticipation. Just saying, I, I can hardly wait to get to the South. Because those guys and gals in the South are blessed. They have more blessings than they know what to do with. As I have been a part of Gateway for many years, it's been a pleasure to be a part of the, the fellowship with Gateway and the, the pastors and the people and the community. I recently saw this, this, this pastor. He was a pastor and a minister. And the pastor and the minister were, were standing at the side of the highway, and they had a sign. And it said, slow down, the end is near. And these young people went screaming by, yelling, you guys are crazy. And two seconds later, you hear, and the minister turned to the pastor and said, do you think we should have put on the sign, bridges out? You think that would have been more helpful rather than the end is near? Oh, boy. Well, this morning, I hope that you enjoy our time together. Norm said, Art, it's, it's a summer Take as long as you want. A couple of hours will be no problem. I know you can engage the people for a couple of hours. You, you know that if you take everybody that's ever fallen asleep in a service in the South and you laid them end to end to end, they'd be a lot more comfortable. It's great being greeted with the, with the ushers coming in. It was great. You know, I heard of the lady who went to a particular church, and she said, I like to sit near the front because I really want to get involved. And, and the, the, the usher said, Geez, you know what, I wouldn't advise that. Our pastor's not really that good. And she said to the usher, do you know who I am? She says, no. I'm the pastor's mother. And the usher said to the woman, do you know who I am? No, she said. She said, thank goodness. <laughs> Well, I, I am Italian, and I was raised in an Italian home. And I know that oftentimes when you, when, you think of, when you think of my picture, I look different now than I did before. <laughs> so I was raised in an Italian home, and, and as any matter of fact, I found this out. It wasn't just for Italians. It was, it's for other communities, other sectors, if you will, other, other people groups. See, one time I had my, ta- my picture taken in that special room. You know, that special room that, you know, in our home it was, it was, you know, had a, a, a velvet rope in front of the door. And as children, we can only peer in. It was that kind of room. You see me sitting here on, on the couch when I was a child. It's the room that was covered in plastic. And if you've had a home like this, you can see that, you know, our couch was covered in plastic. The chair was covered in plastic, everything. I'm not sure why, but it was one of those rooms that you could only peer into. Anybody else ever have a room covered in plastic? Yeah, it was, if you ever got a chance to sit in there, it was not very comfortable in the summertime. And though, although I was asked, somebody said to me this morning, I heard that you're a Greek. <laughs> no, I'm Italian. But recently, you ever, ever done one of those DNA tests? Recently, I, I found out, you'll see by my picture, that I thought I was Italian, but really, I found out I'm a Viking. Well, not really, but that's my look. I am Italian. My mom is Italian. My dad is Sicilian. And, and I come from Toronto. 
And yes, Norm does remember, I spoke one time, I told about my long, flowing, dark hair I had on my head and my snakeskin boots, and I'll tell you a little bit about that later. But school's in. School's in. I want to talk to you this morning. I'm going to give you the three key points. So if you're taking notes on your tablet, on your iPhone, with a pen and paper, I'm going to give you the three points, just in case I forget to tell you later. Here it is, the three points. The path of the believer, the pleasure of the believer, and the prosperity of the believer. There are many worldly ways that people say that uh, we can be blessed. And we're going to be looking at this morning at Psalm chapter 1. What does it mean for you to be blessed? Or what does it mean for you to be happy? For you, it's different than me. For you, it's probably different than them. What does it mean for you to be blessed today? It might be the new car. It might be the house, the new job. It might be the beautiful wife, the handsome husband. It might... What does it mean for you to be blessed I had an opportunity to travel in different parts of the world, whether it's in India or in Haiti or, or other parts. You go, these parts of the world are certainly different than what we have here in North America. You know, our North American problems are, gee, I wonder what we're going to do for, you know, breakfast today. I wonder what we're going to do about our air conditioning. Is it, should I turn the air conditioning up? No, that's, that's a, those are kind of third world problems. Everybody have third world, no, I mean, not third world problems, but everybody have first world problems. Yeah, third world is different. I mean, I remember getting up to speak in a church in Haiti, and I, the worship was was fantastic. Thank you to the worship team this morning. But that Sunday morning, I got up to speak in this particular church. The place was packed. People were, and they come dressed to the dressed to the nines. And the pastor was the pastor must have been six foot seven, huge man, huge, huge. And he, he wore this long black robe and, and the sash, he had a red sash around his stomach and uh, six, seven, he's a huge man. So I get up behind the pulpit like this <laughs> and I was challenged. So most of the time I had to spend over here and, and, and use the whole platform. But that Sunday morning and as I get up to speak to a, to a packed out house in Port-au-Prince in Haiti, I thought, what am I going to tell these people? Of course, I had already prepared something, but I thought, Lord, what can I tell them that they don't already know? Because I had been ministered to and, and encouraged and strengthened in my own faith because of what the, of the men and women I had met already, and their faith was unbelievable. And so I, I stood and I preached and and, and they thought it was fantastic. They applauded and cheered and, and hooted and hollered and amen and preach it and the whole nine yards, even though most of it was in French. And I had an interpreter, so I was going back and forth with my interpreter. And I said to them, our sins, our sin is a scarlet red, but it can be white as snow. And I thought for a moment, I don't think they've seen snow in a while here. And as I'm speaking, and then the, the word of the Lord came to me, and, and I felt empowered to, to preach into that a little bit more. And at the end of the service, we had many who responded, some who were demon-possessed. And the pastor came down and ministered, and people were freed of that. Some who, some who needed to be healed, and the pastor came, and, and we all gathered around them and prayed for them. See, the power of prayer it's important to know that can affect you and you and you and me. In Psalm 1, this morning, as we look at that, 
If you want to turn to your Psalm chapter 1, it says this, How blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the, in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which is which the wind drives away, and therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Father, I ask you to take our time this morning, that you would bless us, encourage us, strengthen us, revive us, rejuvenate us, Lord, that we might impact our communities for your glory and for your good, in Jesus' name. So Norm did say, take as long as you want, Art, and so I'll take my watch. One time, the pastor took off his watch and laid it on, on the, the podium, and the, the, the son says, Dad, why does the pastor take off his watch? Is there, it doesn't matter. It just keeps on going. So I see that in the south here, they have a super huge church uh, clock. And I think that's for these long-winded, long-winded preachers. And I will try not to take the whole afternoon. This part of it. The first point is the path of the believer. The Sunday school teacher said to his students, what if I helped old ladies across the street? Would that get me to heaven? The kids all said, no. What if I was real kind to, to somebody? Would that get me to heaven? And all the kids cheered, no. What if I gave lots of money to the church? Would that get me to heaven? And the kids said, no. Well, what will get me to heaven? And, and Johnny pipes up and says, you got to die. <laughs> uh, you have to die. And dying to self isn't easy, is it? We put other people's needs in front of ours, right? To be blessed. Do you feel blessed this morning? Maybe here this morning in church you might feel blessed, but Monday morning comes around and, or Tuesday or Wednesday. Or, are you feeling blessed in your home life, in your relationships, in your business, in your work, with your staff, with your boss. Are you feeling blessed? See, feeling blessed is part of that, but really it's all about you and the Lord. Are you feeling blessed and prosperous in your spirit? Because you can be going through hell and high water and still feel blessed. You can be going through difficult times and still be blessed. How is that possible? Because God is God. He's able to meet you where you are and even where you are. God can meet you where you are. Oh, Art, but he couldn't meet me. Yes, he could. Art, you don't know my circumstances. I don't have to know. God knows. But what about my kid? Doesn't matter. God knows. God knows. And so when you lay your head on the pillow at night, it's you and the Lord. He can fill you and bless you even there. As you, as you cry out to him, whatever your needs might be, he can bless you. So the path of the believer, the path of the believer, he doesn't believe like the wicked. See, our thoughts are different than the wicked's thought. Our thoughts are, should be focused on him in our situations as opposed to being focused on our situation and that, and that empower, that entangles us. 
So the path of the believer is, is certainly different than the non-believer. The believer doesn't behave like the wicked. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, the old man has passed away. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have, every, we don't have everything right. I know you don't have everything right. I know what you're thinking. Are you look like you have it all together. I know, don't I? Well, not really. As a matter of fact, I don't have anything together. But the Lord knows. The Lord knows where you are today. And I, don't, I try not to behave like the wicked. I try not to behave like the one who, who doesn't follow Christ. I try to behave not like the one who doesn't follow Jesus. I don't try to behave like that. I try to behave like one who, who loves Christ, is redeemed and been, had been saved and been, been washed and cleansed. His eternity is certain. That's how I want to behave. It's different. It's different. And the path of the believer doesn't belong with the wicked. We run in different crowds. I remember when I was first became a Christian and, and most of my friends weren't Christians at the time. And I couldn't hang out with some of the guys and I couldn't, I couldn't be like them. Now it took me a while to kind of get away from that kind of scene and it wasn't always easy. We, we, we want to hang out and, and be the cool kids and, and, and be in the, the gang. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I was a member of the gang. That's right. The Lord Roberts gang. That's right. My long flowing black hair all down my head. My snakeskin boots. That's right. Snakeskin. Made they're like three inch heels. I was a lot taller. Yeah. I, I, but I couldn't hang out with those guys after a while. Because what happened was there was, there was torment happening because they were trying to go this way and I was trying the best I could to go this way. And there's always that, that battle, that battle. Even today, I've been a Christian many years now. I still, I still have the battles, but I believe I'm winning more than I'm losing. How about you? Are you winning more than you're losing? Are you able to, to set yourself apart from the non-believer? I got lots of non-Christian friends, lots of non-believers, those who don't accept Christ as, as King, as Lord, as Savior. I got lots of those friends. How do you respond? 2 Corinthians 6, 17, it, it talks about feeling out of place. But there's a downward, there's a downward spiral when it talks about, you know, it does not walk with the wicked. Right? In verse, in, in verse 2, where it does not, it says stand, does not walk at the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. You think of Paul when, you think in the scripture, like the Bible would, would be full of just good. It's not all good news. Because the Bible gives us a picture of what people are really like. From the disciples, and Peter and Paul, and it gives us a picture of who they are, what they're really like. And they didn't have it all to get together either. Whether in the boat, fishing, that was their profession, they're doing it all, all their way, and then Jesus tells them to do it a different way, and then they obey. When Peter denies Christ, it, it could be you. Maybe it has been you. Maybe you've been walking with some friends and, and you haven't stood up for your faith when, when they've counteracted what Christ really wants or, or says or does. Lots of times I'll be with, with some friends and some of my non, non-Christian friends and, and whether it be in a work situation, and they'll use some language that is not quite the best. And they'll turn to me and they'll, they'll apologize to me like I have some kind of ruling on, on, on words. 
or Christian faith or something. But they'll use some kind of language that isn't quite as colorful for them, but they'll think that I'm blushing or something, and they'll, they'll oh, I'm sorry, Art. Does that ever happen? It happens to me quite a bit. But there's that dow- downward progress. There's a walking, the standing, and sitting. Have you sat? Have you been on that path? Have you been that path? It's not, not the blessedness path, if you will, but it's a path that's taking you down the wrong route. Well, quickly, let me share with you this. Oh, by the way, when Peter took that path in denying Christ, he sat in by the fire. Aren't you that guy? Aren't you, aren't you with it? Aren't you part of that? Aren't you? No, 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 no. Denying Christ even there. Well, secondly, I want to talk to you about the pleasure of the believer. It's really found in, in what he declines or denies, if you will. Sometimes it's not easy to deny some of those things. And the pleasure of the believer really is the word. I brought, I brought my Bible. This is the first Bible I ever received. The greatest of love. It, it's probably, it's many years old. So I got this Bible, and of course, I, like many of you, you have your Bible on your, your, your iPhones or your devices. And so this particular Bible, it's the New Testament actually. I received this book December 25th, 1972. That's, some of you are thinking the earth was still flat then. <laughs> That's a long time ago, Art. It's a long time ago, I would even have this still with me. But see, I received Christ, I have it in the front of my Bible here. It says, in my chicken scratch, as my mom would say about my writings, I received Christ on February the 18th, 1973. So about three months after I received this book, this Bible, this New Testament, I was at People's Church in Toronto. Large church, a couple thousand people. I got invited there to, to go see a movie, a film, in a church. I said, I said sure. So I'm, I'm there at People's Church in Toronto. My leather jacket. Had my, had my brass knuckles in my pocket and my switchblade. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Long hair, my snakeskin boots. I was the coolest, well, in my own mind, I was the coolest person there. The movie goes on. So long, Joey. At the end of the movie, Dr. Paul stands up and says, some of you need to respond to Christ as he did in this film. So we're all standing. And I start to weep. Now, let me tell you this. It's hard to be cool when you're crying. <laughs> I'm crying, wiping my hair, my eyes, my hair. Christ was ministering to my heart through a film in a church. So as I'm weeping, and he, Pastor Paul was, uh, Dr. Paul was speaking, I was weeping, and he said, you need to come forward and receive Christ. What did I know? Excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. I make my way down the aisle, out of the balcony, down to the front. I'm standing there, and Christ meets me. I didn't have to go forward to receive Christ. I could have done it right there. People have received Christ driving their car, at home washing dishes, in church services. You can receive Christ wherever you are. It's when you repent of your sins, you turn around, you turn away from, and you go the other way. Repentance. That particular night, 
I received Christ. And I wrote it in my Bible. Maybe some of you have that in your Bible. The night you received Christ. It was so many years ago. 1972. Seems like eons. But every day, the scripture can be new. Every day, Christ can meet us in a new way. A, a interesting way. A fantastic way. A way that kind of challenges us. So I have this. It says, this book belongs to Art Alexander. I have my address. Do not steal upon penalty of death. No, I didn't, I didn't write that. I didn't write that. But I used this book for, for quite some time because I was only 16. And I used this book for many years. The greatest is love, the Bible. So the pleasure of the believer is what he, what he, de, what he declines, of course. Sometimes it's not easy for us to decline. The pleasure of the believer is what, what he differs from. We want to be different than the person who does not follow Christ. Our mindset should be different. Our attitudes should be different. Our actions should be different. It differs in many different ways. The pleasure of the believer is what he depicts with his life. What is your life? When people look at you, what do they see? Are they seeing someone who follows Christ? Or are they seeing someone who is about himself or herself? The pleasure of the believer really is a, is a delight. And the delight is certainly the source of that joy is in the Word. Now, this, again, this Bible is many years old. Lots of things underlined in it. It's, it's harder when you think of that long ago and that, that particular Saturday night when I went to that church. But the, the pleasure is found in His Word. And here it is. The, the Bible is a food for the soul. It's the milk in 1 Peter 2, 2, like a newborn baby craves after pure spiritual milk. There you can find that in your, in your Bible or on your iPhone. It's the meat. In Hebrews 5, 12, 14, it's solid food for the mature. We can go, it, they say the Bible is deep enough for a child to wade in it or deep enough for a child or for an elephant to, to drown in. It's got, it's for everybody. Shallow or deep. It's for everybody. And then it's also the bread of life. John 6, 51. I am the bread of life Jesus talked about. See, there's 66 books in your Bible. There's 40 authors written over some 1,600 years. 13 different countries and three different languages. And it's by different professions. The Bible all comes together. There's a fine red thread that holds it all together. There are 300 prophecies in the Old Testament fulfilled in the New Testament with Christ. The Bible. It's a food for the soul. The Bible is not a book of the month. It's a book of the ages. It's everlasting to everlasting. Scriptures are real. No other book has had as much opposition as the Bible. I remember when they, they said, well, you couldn't read the Bible. You can't read the Bible in school. When they used to have it, you'd be able to have it openly on. They said, no, you can't do that. You can't have your Bible in class like that. And the challenges that people went through, the Christians went through at the time. So the word is, is, the Bible is a pleasure to the people. It's honey. It's like Psalms 19, 7 says, the word of God is sweeter than honey. The word of God is a lamp in Psalm 119, 105. That word is a lamp unto our path. Need direction? Find it in your Bible. Find it in your word. As you, as you read your word, as you, as you cry out to Christ. It's the truth in John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. In Jeremiah 23, it's like a fire. And a hammer. Ever been reading your Bible? All of a sudden, you go, "Oh, 
awe that speaks awe that touches my heart. Sometimes it feels like a hammer. Sometimes. And Christ can speak to us through that. It says a sword in Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's interesting how when someone comes to Christ and the ripple effect. Like they say, you know, if in our congregation this morning, how, how many people we, we connect to? Now, if you're a networker and people say, are you the master networker? You know lots of people. But you know lots of people too. And so do you. And, and we have that ripple effect. I read how, how when Charles Spurgeon, he preached in the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, he preached to thousands of people. But one day, one day, somebody came to his service and got saved. And the trickle-down effect went on and on and on. See, because we found out that Ed Kimball, who you've never heard of Ed Kimball, I don't think, have you? You know who Ed Kimball is? He was a Sunday school teacher who got saved in a service there. And then one day, a young boy by the name of D.L. Moody was in his service, and he got saved as a child and went on to preaching to thousands as well. And then one day in one of his services, a fellow by the name of Wilbur Chapman. You don't know Wilbur. But Wilbur was just a, a regular guy. And he was preaching in a church one day. And, and Billy Sunday came to Christ. And Billy Sunday was a famous baseball player. And he became a Christian. And Billy Sunday was the kind of guy, he would take a shoe off and he, he would pound it on the po- platform, on the podium, and, and pound it. And, and people would come to Christ. We all have different styles. And one day in, in, in one of his services, Mordecai Ham became a Christian. You don't know Mordecai. And then one day, Mordecai was preaching in, in the Carolinas. Across my high school, they had a big tent set up, and, and all, the, all the high school boys thought, let's go over and, and mock the preacher. And of course, there was one fellow in that particular group, Billy Frank. And he went to that meeting that night, and, and he got inspired and challenged and went back the next night and gave his heart to Christ. Of course, Billy Frank is Billy Graham. And so you think about how from D.L. Moody all the way down through Kimball and, and Wilbur and, and Mordecai and, and Billy and Billy Sunday, and you think about how people touch each other's lives. And if you really think about it, if you start thinking about the people you connect with, the people you touch and then the people that they touch. And the kind of circumstances you find yourself in. It's amazing. It's amazing who you reach out to and who you touch. Of course, we all know who Billy Graham is. And Billy Graham has reached many, many people for Christ. Well, we've looked at the path of the believer. We looked at the pleasure of the believer in the word of God. Well, the path of the believer, of course, is different than the unbeliever. The pleasure of the believer is the word of God, the Bible. And lastly is the prosperity of the believer. I heard uh, these two old guys in church, of course. Uh, I think their name was Ian and Dale. And the one guy turns to the next guy and says, boy, this guy's going on and on. He's preaching a long time. And then one of the other fellows says, no, I know my my seat's getting kind of numb and falling asleep here. And he says, yeah, you know, I, I heard it snore three times already. So <laughs> that's Dale and Ian, of course. You don't know who they are. Prosperity of the believer, and we're almost done, is positioned by the river. It's a life-giving river, river of life. The permanence of that tree being planted there, it grows up to a solid oak. 
The productive tree, because it bears fruit, and, and we're like the tree. We're, we're deeply planted. We're, we're, we're by the refreshing waters of Christ and the Holy Spirit, and we can bear fruit. We can bear fruit no matter where you find yourself. You can bear fruit at home with your kids, with your spouse, in your workplace. In Acts 4.13, now they observed Peter and John. They are the uneducated ones, the untrained ones, and they marveled at them. You know why? Because they had been with Jesus. And the prosperity of the believer is not so much the, the, the riches in gold. or the, It's not really that. It's about, again, who you are in Christ as you grow and mature in him. Oh, I'm not as old as you. I'm, I haven't been around the, the faith as long as you. No, we all have lots to learn. I still have much, much to learn. And that's why, one of the reasons why we come to church, not so much what we can learn, but what we can give. See, church is a place where we can come and, and share who we are one with another. When Pastor Norm shares about having intermission, if you will, you know what it is? It's about blessing those people. You're, you're connecting with people. That's all part of who we are as a family of God. So the prosperity of the believers, something happens on the inside really for you as you grow in Christ. We bear fruit and in prosperity in season, the leaf shall not wither. That doesn't mean there won't be stormy seas. Anybody have any stormy seas today? Yeah, or am, am I the only one? Yeah. No, we, we have stormy seas. And when you're in a storm, it's always challenging. But we don't think as a non-believer, we think of as a believer. Yeah, the storm is raging. I was one time in a, in a, in a sailboat, and it was calm waters. I was with my friend Paul. And Paul knew how to sail. I didn't know how to sail. And all of a sudden, a storm whips up out of nowhere. It seemed like out of nowhere. The wind is swirling and waves are coming on the boat. And Paul said, it'll be okay, Art. And then in that moment, the mast, the thing with the sail on it, that huge, it was like eight inches, comes out of the boat, falls over on top of us. A storm was, <laughs> was upon us. And he said, all right, it'll be okay. Jeez, Paul, I don't know. <laughs> Looks like we're in, a, we're in a bit of trouble here, buddy. And within a moment's time, this big boat comes out of nowhere and comes alongside and says, you boys okay? <laughs> no. Tosses the rope. So I find a, the rope and I toss it up to them. They, they hauled us into shore. They saved us that day. They saved us that day. Stormy Caesar, they happen to all of us. They happen to your home. They happen to pastors, elders, ministers, priests, rabbis, ministers of the gospel. It happens. How do you respond when the storms come your way? So they marveled at Peter and John. They were uneducated, untrained. But they recognized they had been with Jesus. The prosperity of the believers, the position, the permanence of the tree... It's productive, it's fruit, bears fruit. You can bear fruit, as I can bear fruit. And it prospers. The leaf shall not wither. Where are you today? How do you find yourself? Do you possess the characteristics of the believer, one who believes in Christ, one who behaves like Christ, one who belongs to Christ? Are you feeling, feeling blessed today? Are you feeling like that tree planted by a river of living water? If you don't feel that way today, it's possible that you can. In an instant, in a twinkle of an eye, a word of a prayer, you can feel different. Your life can be transformed. 
when you turn your life fresh and new over to Christ. I think that in Psalm 1, to be blessed can be a challenge if we don't have the right perspective. And if you're not feeling blessed this morning, let me encourage you to change your perspective and focus and put it on Christ. Let the Word of God be real to you today that you might find life and hope and vision through His Word, whether it's some 40-odd years old or new to you today. Father, we want to thank you for this time this morning. I ask that you would take what we've shared together and what we've heard from you, that the path of the believer is different, the pleasure in your word, and the prosperity that you want to bring to us and our hope and dreams and visions and aspirations can all be found in you. So I give that to you fresh and new in Jesus' name. Amen.